speaks to Samuel. This is Samuel. Hi. Samuel was the son of Hannah. Hey, Samuel. Hannah prayed for God to give her a son, and God did. So Hannah gave Samuel back to God. See you, Samuel. Bye, Mom. And Samuel grew up in the temple, serving under Eli, the priest. Hi, Eli. As Samuel grew up, he learned how to serve God from Eli. Samuel lived in the house of God, but he did not know God or what God's voice sounded like. In those days, messages from God were rare. <sighs> but one night after Eli had gone to bed, Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle when suddenly God called out, "Samuel!" Huh? Samuel got up and ran to Eli and said, "Did you call me?" "Mommy." Eli said, "I didn't call you. Go back to bed." So Samuel did. Then God called out again, "Samuel!" Huh? And again Samuel got up and ran to Eli, asking, "Did you call me?" "Mommy." Eli said, "I didn't call you. Go back to bed." So Samuel did. God called Samuel for a third time, "Samuel." And Samuel went to Eli yet again.、Hmm. After three times, Eli realized that God was trying to speak to Samuel. So Eli taught Samuel to say, "Speak, Lord, your servant is listening." Okay. Samuel went back to bed, and God came and called as before, "Samuel, Samuel!" And Samuel said, "Speak, your servant is listening." God told him many things about what would happen to Israel. As Samuel grew up, God was with him, and everything God spoke through Samuel came true. Samuel was seen as a great prophet of God because he could hear the voice of God, and he listened when God spoke to him. All right. Good morning, Christchurch. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. Good morning, and hello to all of you in the upper room as well. Thanks for being here and in worship today. Good morning to everybody online following as well. This morning we are wrapping up our sermon series, Little Kids, Big Faith. Next week we're going to be jumping into a new sermon series called Seven Questions God Can't Answer. And encourage you to come back and experience those sermons with us, that series with us. It's a great opportunity if you've got a friend, a coworker, or someone that you know who's been asking questions about church. This is an awesome opportunity to say, "Hey, I got a sermon series for you. Seven questions God can't answer. What is that? Oh, come check it out." So I want to invite you back for that as we kick that off next week. But we wrap it up this morning. Little kids, big. Faith. I want to give you a recap, just to show some of the ground that we've covered so far,、um, some of the topics that we've talked about, and stories that we covered. So we wanted to create this series and have this opportunity to invite、uh, our kids into the room to give a chance for the children's area to be renovated. There are a lot of fantastic changes that are going on. I highly encourage you, strongly encourage you to go up to the glass and check and get a, a sneak peek into some of the changes that have been happening back there. It's awesome seeing it come together. But we recognize this morning and welcome. Kids, elementary kids, as you are in the room, fantastic. 
We really love and appreciate kids around here. And in fact, we want to know and understand that kids have great big faith. We learned that in the very first week as Pastor Bob kind of laid out that our kids, the kids that we raise, the kids that are here within our church context, the kids that we love and that we cherish actually have tremendous, huge, incredible faith. We saw that from a young age, for example, David is someone who demonstrated this incredible faith and an incredible God. And so kids, we never want to shortchange you. We never want to uh, think less of you. We want to think the most of you the way that God does. And we begin by recognizing that kids have faith. Not only do kids have faith, but sometimes kids are the ones that lead the way when it comes to things like faith. They're the ones who actually lead the charge when it comes to living out and demonstrating our faith. Sometimes kids lead adults into bigger, greater faith. We saw that last week where this little kid comes up with his lunchbox. He's got some fish, he's got some bread, and the adults are looking at his lunchbox thinking, what is Jesus going to do with this? And the kid's like, no, Jesus got this, man. Jesus can do amazing things with my lunch. And in fact, Jesus does. He feeds 5,000 people. And it happened so much as a child led the adults to see and understand, man, you got a big God. you got to have faith in Jesus, in God. And so the kid led the way in faith. Well, this morning, adults, a shout-out, especially since it's Mother's Day, we're going to reframe it just a touch, and we're going to talk about what does it look like and what does it mean for adults to lead the way, adults to foster and really cultivate faith in the lives of our children the lives of our little ones. What does it look like for you? If you're a parent, if you have children yourself, what does it look like if you're a grandparent or a guardian to cultivate faith? What does it look like for you if you're a role model, a mentor, a coach, someone who has the the sphere of influence where children will come in and experience your words, your actions in your life? How do you foster faith in the lives of kids. So little kids, big faith. To do that, we're looking at the story of Samuel, which you just heard a snapshot. Um, we go, aren't those fun? Aren't those fun videos? Those are great videos. If nothing else, you remember the fun videos, and a biblical story will be planted in your life. But it's a powerful story, the story of Samuel. And where I want to start this morning, because it is Mother's Day, is actually with Samuel's mom. Happy Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers, grandmothers, godmothers, so forth. Hope you have a tremendous, fabulous day. Thanks for coming to church, and I'm sure you'll hit the brunch afterwards. Uh, But I want to lift up and start with looking at a mom. The way in which a mom, a mother, can really impart and cultivate, pass on faith to a child. It's, it comes straight out of Samuel's story. Samuel's mother is named Hannah. Hannah. Beautiful name. Hannah uh, has a challenge, however, in that she was not always a mother. You see, Hannah struggled in even becoming a mother. Hannah, at the beginning of the story, we learn, struggles with infertility. She can't get pregnant. And she desires, she longs to be a mom. And so Hannah, being a Jewish person, having faith in God, 
turns to prayer and laments to God. She prays to God over and over and over again. She prays fervently and says, God, man, I just, oh, I so desperately, God, would love the privilege of being a mom. So God, please hear my cry, hear my, hear, hear my prayer and petition. Please look with favor upon me and give me a child. The Bible says it like this at one point. It says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly. The Bible goes even into the detail that she had tears pouring down, weeping as she prays to the Lord, pouring out her desire to be a mom. She does this because her faith and her trust is in a good God. And her good God hears her and responds to her. He does have compassion on her and decides to bring into her life Samuel. Before Samuel comes, and as she's in the midst of her praying, Hannah says, God, should you choose to make me a mother, if you'll give me a child, I promise to turn that child right back over to you. The child will be raised in the temple. I'm going to turn them over to the priests. The priests will be the ones to actually raise the child. If you give me the privilege of being a mom, I'm going to be as a mom. I'm going to turn around and give my child right back to the church, to the temple, so that that child is raised in the faith. And so she promises God that. God hears her anguish, hears her promise, And with her faith being strong in this good and great God, he responds by giving her Samuel. Samuel enters into the world. She's thrilled. She's ecstatic. She's dancing because she now knows the joy of being a mom. But a little time passes, and Samuel's dad looks at Hannah and says, Honey, you said we'd bring him to the priest's. It's time to go bring him to the priests so that they can raise him. And it's a critical moment for Hannah. As God has been faithful and kind to her, will she now be faithful to God? A good question. Her response? Not yet. Oh, please, not yet. Just a little longer. we got to wait until at least the boy is weaned. And so they wait. Okay, honey. And they wait. In the story, we as readers, we as participants, we begin to wonder, we begin to speculate, is she going to actually live into faithfulness or not? And it's a tension moment. That which she has been given and most blessed with as a mom is her child. Will she turn around and turn that child over? At the right time, the husband comes back again and says, hey, we should, really, we should really fulfill what we said we'd do. This time Hannah says yes. He says, she says, now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life long. They bring Samuel back to the priests. They bring Samuel to the temple. And it's this incredible moment, actually, if you think about it, I mean, it's this really poignant moment where Hannah is turning over her child and leaving him behind with the priests. I mean, this has got to be heart-wrenching, right? I mean, she so desperately wanted to be a mom, and she became a mom. 
And then she knows that she should probably fulfill her. She should be faithful and she should do what she said she would do and bring him back. But, but wait until he's weaned at least. And now the critical moment's here. I mean, you got to picture, there'll be all sorts of tears and boogers and all sorts of <laughs> kind of moment. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's what's happening. When I picture this in my, my mind, I picture her getting down on her knees, drawing Samuel close. In the old world, you probably would have been weaned between the ages of two and four. So Samuel was two, three, four years old. She pulls Samuel close knowing that she's going to leave him. Samuel doesn't know what's going on. He just knows mom's leaving. He's freaking out. And what does Hannah say in that moment? She holds on to Samuel and says, Samuel, God is so good because he gave me you. Samuel, I can let you go right now because God gave me you in the first place. So you see, this is a moment where Hannah demonstrates not her faithfulness, but reorients herself in Samuel to see God's faithfulness and the privilege of being gifted with Samuel in the first place. Hannah breaks out into song. She starts singing, the Bible says. She starts giving this poetic expression of how good God is, generous and kind and compassionate God is, that God heard her cry and heard her plea, and that God now blessed her with this child. She's a mom, and she is overwhelmed and overcome by how faithful God has been. She starts her prayer off like this. My heart rejoices. She's giving her kid over. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord makes me strong. The power and significance of this song that she sings of claiming and reorienting the way that we think to see God's faithfulness is so powerful that it gets picked up by none other than Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary echoes and picks up on the same words and the same framework. There's a point where Mary hears from the angel that she's going to have a son. And Mary begins to quote Hannah talking about how good, how great, how generous and kind God is, even in the midst of the difficult moment, claiming God's faithfulness. Adults, that passes on faith to our children. When we don't spend time pointing out how faithful we are, how good we are, don't waste your breath on that. Spend time with your kids pointing out and highlighting how good 
your God is. Just like Hannah. Sing at the top of your lungs. At every moment and every opportunity that you have, share from your own life and from your own story about what God has done, is doing, and has promised to do. Tell your kids about how faithful God has been. And that will pass on and cultivate cultivate faith in your kids. Now, just in so much as Hannah hands over Samuel, Hannah is the mother, there is also another person who has a profound impact in Samuel's life. His name is Eli. Eli is a priest. Eli is the priest. He is the one that Hannah says, okay, here's my son. Take care of him. Love him. Train him up in the Lord. He's yours now. And there's a lot that we can learn from Eli just in so much as we learn from Hannah. Eli is a bit of a tragic character as well. Just as Hannah struggled with infertility, had struggles in her life, Eli has struggles in his. Namely, for Eli, Eli, the head priest, his sons do not believe or practice the Jewish faith. Oh, sure, they're on the books. They show up. They're actually, even one step further, they're priests under Eli. But everybody knows that these two, these sons of Eli, are hypocrites and don't really believe, don't really have an understanding of who God is. It's a burden all the way through Eli's life. The Bible describes them as scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or their duties as priests. Eli, in so much as he is able to pass on and cultivate faith in others, has failed to do so in relation to his own children. I want to pause for a moment and speak to the parents and adults out there who can empathize and understand Eli. If you have struggled to pass on faith in your own kids, my heart breaks for you. It is one of the most heart-wrenching things when I sit with a a friend, uh, when I sit with a congregant, when I sit with one of you, the people that I love and cherish. I sit with you and I have coffee with you. I sit with you over a meal and, and when you bury your heart and you share the challenge that, that your kids don't go to church, don't have an understanding of the faith, and, and that just, just hurts you so deeply, I am so, so sorry. Eli knows your pain. Eli understands. It is one of the most challenging things for a person to have to walk through. But there is something, there is goodness in Eli that we can learn if you're in that situation. There is something in Eli that we can cling to. First off, Eli never gives up on his kids, 
on his two sons. He never gives up the opportunity of cultivating faith in their life. There's a specific verse in the Bible where it says Eli came and actually sat with his sons and, and shared his burden with them, shared and saying, oh, I just, I wish you understood the joys and the satisfaction of serving in the Lord's house. You got to leave this other lifestyle behind. You got to leave this other stuff that you've been doing behind and you got to embrace who God is and what he wants for you. Eli is not afraid at every opportunity to lean into his children and point them to God. Even if his children don't believe. Eli strives to believe for them and share that faith with them. My exhortation to you, if you're in that situation, never give up on your kids. Don't give up praying for them. Don't give up sharing God's stories with them. Don't ever give up inviting them to church. And look for every chance and every opportunity that you can actually orient their conversation and the framework of where they're at towards what God might be doing. Just like Eli. Second thing, second big thing, if you're in that situation, if you are in that reality right now. Eli understands, and so should we, your influence extends beyond your kids. You have other children, other youth, other adults even, who are in the proximity of your sphere of influence, people that you can pour into, people that you talk to, people that you engage with, where you can do that same thing of orientating them and their life towards God and His faithfulness. Don't miss out on the Samuel that might be sitting right in front of you. If you're a coach, if you're a mentor, if you're a teacher, if you're someone who simply knows a nephew or a niece or a kid, they might be a Samuel for you. Someone that you can pour into and raise up and pass faith onto. Just like Eli passes faith onto Samuel. So don't miss the opportunity. Don't miss the Samuels. Eli was not his father biologically, but he was a profound spiritual leader in Samuel's life. So much so that the Bible says that Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Samuel actually, the, the, the environment that was created for Samuel, the way in which it cultivated faith in him was so profound that it, he, it says he grew up in the presence and in the favor of the Lord. That same phrase is the phrase that is used also in the New Testament when describing Jesus growing up in the favor of all people, growing up in the presence of the Lord. It's the exact same phrase that is attached to Jesus Christ. Christ that we find here in the story of Samuel. And Eli, Eli was a part of that, of fostering faith in this child. We get to a point in the story where Samuel has this supernatural event happen. This supernatural thing, you just can't quite explain it. It doesn't quite all make sense. You might have had one of these experiences in your own life. Where, where a supernatural event happens, and for Samuel, it's this, this voice that comes. 
and he doesn't know what to do. And so he goes running off to Eli. He comes to that spiritual mentor, that person that has poured into him. And he, he says, Eli, I thought you called me. And this happens over and over and over again. And finally, Eli realizes, oh my gosh, Samuel's having an experience with, with, with the living God. And rather than poo-pooing it, rather than crushing it, rather than saying, now Samuel, I'll take it from here. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. But I got it now as the adults in the room. No. Eli does something astonishing. He says, okay, Sam, your time, buddy. Go back and just say you're listening. He coaches him. He empowers him. And he simply says, okay, Sam, lean into what God's doing in your life, Sam. Sam, chase it down. If God is speaking to you, if God is at work in your life, let, let's, let's, let's make it happen, Sam. Lean into God showing up. And Eli empowers Samuel to hear from the living God. Isn't that awesome? The adult speaks into the child saying, be sensitive and be open to the work of God here and now. Go lay down and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, what they leave out on the video, what they leave out in the children's Bibles, when, they, when you get this story, they leave out how it finishes. They leave out what God actually says. Does anyone know what God actually says? It's very depressing. There's a reason it's not in the video. God comes to, to Samuel and speaks to Samuel, and the words that he speaks to Samuel, he says, Samuel, I am removing Eli and his sons from their priestly office. Samuel, you should know, Sam, I am removing Eli, who's been a spiritual mentor in your life, and his sons who are scoundrels in my eyes. I am removing them from office. He gets pretty, God gets pretty graphic about it. He lays out exactly what sort of hurt and consequence is arriving in the lives of Eli and Eli's sons. I mean, could you imagine being Samuel in this moment? Your spiritual mentor and advisor and who you love and appreciate, Eli just had condemnation spoken over his family. Samuel is scared witless. In fact, it's so much so that the next morning, Eli has to pressure him. He's like, so how'd it go with God? You know, morning cup of joe, and you're sitting across the table, so uh, how'd your conversation with the Almighty go? And, uh, you know, Samuel's like, mm, 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 I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It's just a dream. And Eli leans across the table and says, no, 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 you tell me. What did he say? This is important stuff. When God speaks, you listen, Samuel, so we got to listen to whatever God says. Whatever God says goes. When God shows up in your life and speaks, it's, it's happening, man. So what did he say? And Samuel shares with Eli, Eli, you are being removed, and your sons are being removed. 
and Eli. Eli, the high priest, in this moment of humility, says something tremendously profound. He says, it is the Lord's will. Let God do what he thinks is best. Eli points Samuel to that reality and that faithfulness that God is good even now. God's will is best. God knows what is best, Samuel. God understands and knows what is best for me, for my sons, for you. And if this is what is best in his eyes, then the Lord's will be done, Samuel. Because God has been good to me. God knows what is best. I trust who God is and what he's done in my own life. For all of these years, I have poured myself out. I have labored in his temple. And I have seen over and over and over again, I have seen how good God is, Samuel. So even as you bring this word to me, I am choosing to trust that God knows what is best, that his will is best, because I believe his goodness and his faithfulness is for me and even my kids in this moment. So Eli, Eli cultivates faith in Samuel by once again, just like Hannah, pointing out God is good. God knows what's best. His will be done. Adults, Parents, if you seek and desire to pass on and cultivate faith in your children, it is using the opportunities that God and life simply grant us, whether joyous moments or difficult moments, to point our kids to God's faithfulness. Adults lead kids into big faith when you lead them into a big, faithful God. Adults lead kids into big faith when you lead them into a big and faithful God. This means that when you all go out and have your Mother's Day brunch, because that's where you're all going, right? You better be taking mom out for brunch, right? Okay, you're taking mom out for brunch, you're going to gather a table. You're going to sit down. You might even have multiple generations of your family present. And you know what that is for you in that moment? Moms, let me just talk to moms specifically. Moms, as we celebrate you this morning, it is the best opportunity and platform for you to celebrate the gift of being a mom. Where does that gift come from? God. You have the opportunity, you have the chance to speak into your kids' lives that they are a gift from the Heavenly Father. You have a chance to cultivate faith by pointing them not to yourself and how great a mom you are, 
but how great the God you have is. That's incredible. Don't miss the opportunity. This is true for dads, mentors, coaches, anybody, everybody. You lead kids into big faith when you lead them into knowing our big, faithful God. Let me close by praying over you, praying for you, and specifically for the mothers in the room this morning. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray and ask on behalf of those gathered, those listening, those who are worshiping you by listening and receiving what you would pour out this morning, I petition on their behalf that they might know and experience your goodness and faithfulness in their own stories, their own lives. And that when those moments and opportunities come where they can share them, where they can share your goodness and grace with others, that they would lean into those opportunities. I pray for the right words. I pray for boldness. I pray for courage. And I pray that the hearts and minds that they share with would be open to receiving a word about your goodness. Lord, I pray for moms and dads as we seek to cultivate faith in future generations. I pray for role models, mentors, priests like Eli, people who have a Samuel in front of them. I pray and ask, grant that we, adults, would lead more and more children, youth, and others into knowing you, our good and big and faithful God, our loving God. Lord, I ask and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.